Welcome to the Rogue Tailboard Podcast, where firemen are fired up and minimal is unacceptable. Logan, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, brother? Uh, just enjoying a wonderful day off tour. Just got done with the team's conference call, and that's pretty informative their future, what they're going at, and getting new members lined out. So now I'm ready to enjoy a wonderful conversation with you, my man. Awesome. So I just want to thank you for coming on. Thank you for your time. Uh, for those listening, this is Logan Broberg. He's a brother out of Florida. He's a hard charger. If you haven't been following him or friends with him, then you don't know all the hard work that he puts in to better himself and his community and his crew, and it's truly inspiring to see his journey go through. And I just want to thank you for coming on, man. Thank you for having me, man. It's an honor. It's my uh, first podcast, too. Right on. Well, see, that's, that's what I like, man. And everyone in you know in our group, Uncommon Firemen, I've said that before, but everyone's got a story, man. And I love hearing everyone's story. And they all, they all matter. And there's always something that can be learned and taken away from it from those listening. And I just, I think it's awesome to get those voices that are out there that are shared. And so I just, I'm excited to bring people like you on and just others that are highly motivated love the job and just want to continue to better themselves. I think we can all learn from one another. For sure. For sure. So I definitely want to start off by asking you, man, what got you into the fire service? Uh, well, I'll just start out. I'll throw a little disclaimer out there. Uh, everything I say on this podcast is my own opinion and it does not reflect um, my department or my city's views. So, and I'm not the most politically correct. Just a little, <laughs> well, I will share the warning. same disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, uh, I pretty much didn't really know what I wanted to do out of high school. Um, I thought I wanted to be a cop like my dad. And uh, he was pretty disgruntled about the job and kind of saw that the way that police work was going. So he sat me down one day and he's like, you know, I want you to do a ride along with my buddy who's a, he was a fireman in the same city my dad worked at. And he's like, if you still want to be a cop after that, then I'll support you. But he's like, I really don't want you to be a cop. So showed up at the firehouse. I think it was like a Sunday. And, uh, you know, the guy, uh, Ken Fellows, he, uh, he's awesome, man. He, uh, he kind of gave me like the whole tour of the station, went through the truck, uh, hung out for like half the shift, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I just really liked, you know, the camaraderie that was there. And, um, I'm not the most, I'm not the most office oriented type of guy. So I just, I wanted a job. I knew I wanted a job where I wasn't working a nine to five. I feel you there. And, uh, it's kind of cool cause you still get to help people and, I just really like the lifestyle that came, you know, with the, with being a fireman and the schedule, you know, you're able to work out on duty if you have downtime and you're around usually like-minded people, type A right. type of personalities. So that's kind of how I got into it. He, uh, he actually got me into, uh, the fire school he went up, he went to up here in central Florida. So I grew up in South Florida. Right on. So I did I. To, uh, yeah, I, I grew up in West Palm. And, uh, so he, he got me into fire school at Lake Tech here, which ironically, I'm actually about to start instructing there, uh, in huh. the next couple of weeks as a standards instructor. That's a cool little circle come around. Yeah. Uh, but what was cool about the experience is, uh, 
back when he went through like, you know, 20 plus years ago, they had like an apprenticeship program. So you would actually live at one of the local firehouses mm-hmm. while you went to fire school. So I did that while I was in fire school and that was awesome. Nice. Do you think that actually gave you a better perspective living in a firehouse while doing the academy versus some other way of getting your certifications? Yeah, hundred percent. And it helped me because, you know, I, the, um, where I was about three hours from my parents' house. So like, obviously mm-hmm. on the weekends, we we're off from school. I would just stay up there and hang out with them, run calls with them. They would help me like with my knots and stuff and I would study and yeah, it was like a full immersive experience. And, uh, I went, you know, I left, uh, fire school, got my EMT, then down where I grew up, uh, it was pretty much, you, you almost didn't get a job unless you were a medic and, yeah. uh, it was kind of the tail end of the recession. So I, uh, went to medic school kind of to buy some time and to make myself more marketable. Cause at that time I was only like 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So did that. And then, uh, that department actually offered me a job. But uh, the, the department I work for now, Kissimmee, they they called me that morning and offered me the job first, so I went with them. Oh, right on. So you've been there ever since? Yep. Yeah, I've been there a little over seven years now. Awesome. There was a, there was a short stint where I left and went to a different department, but uh, I came back because, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Man, I, I hear you on that, and that's a common theme, especially with some guys I know. And uh, there's always, you know, those offers and you think it might be a, a better opportunity. But if you seek prayer on it, you know, you'll usually get your answer. And more so than not, people usually continue to stay with their main organization that they started off with, at least where I'm at. So I'm seeing that, too. Yeah. Is it uh, is it different in Texas? Will a department hire you and then put you through fire school and all that? There's do do that on your own. Well, no, there's some that are doing that, like an apprentice, or they'll take you right off the street with no certifications, and they'll push you through to that. Um, but also a lot of others, at least in my area and some other brothers in the state that I know of, they go through their own kind of rookie probational program. And you might have already passed the academy and graduated, but they'll send you through their own type of academy as well. So sometimes it can be very redundant because they're courses and stuff that you've already done, but it's not necessarily how they do it. It's just a broad scale spectrum deal. And that could hinder some potential recruits that are pretty seasoned. They're like, man, I don't, I don't really need to be doing this all over again. So I'm just going to stick back to where I was originally at. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, a good mixture. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. So I mean, that's a pretty cool story. Cause I, when I got on the service, I was like 30 and I already had a full-time job do, doing general construction. And we had an online academy program. And with me already being a, a family man and technically a single dad at the time, raising my kiddos, I didn't have that opportunity to go on site. So there's that online aspect. And I did all my classwork stuff there. And then we did two weeks of skills. But it was very fast paced because we had a high number of students. And so your hands on wasn't legitimate enough that I would like at least. And um, a lot of the stuff after the fact, like, here's your certification. You're good to go. Go find a job. I had to do a lot of on the job training and I had to pick it up quick. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it is down here. So basically, you know, if you want to be a firefighter, there's, there's very few departments that'll actually send you to fire school. And it's mm-hmm. usually only like the very big ones, like around here, Orange County will do it. Okay. And, you know, like the big municipality. So basically you go on your own and, uh, 
they pretty much just teach you to pass the state test and they tell you yeah. multiple times every day you're there like this is not how you know you take a window or you force a door but this is the state standard way and then they yeah. say once you get on the job they're going to show you how it, you know they do it on the job no i agree and i think that's a, a good segue to this comment of get out there and take classes because oh, you can't just rely on your academy, man. That yes, it's the paper that you need to go to a house to apply for, but take any classes you can and hats off to you if you're a crew that's proactive on training. That's the only way you're going to get proficient. Oh, hundred percent. So, well, man, I'm, I met you through, you know, social media and Facebook and stuff like that. We've had a lot of like-minded friends. We started seeing the same kind of tags in our, our workouts and pushes and i said well i've got to i gotta see what this guy logan's about man he is getting it with some hard crazy stuff to me i'm not there yet you know, i'm like 19 percent body fat and i'm six two i want to get on i'm just seeing you crushing it so we definitely have our like-minded shared interest in staying fit for duty but i'd like to ask you why is that near and dear to you and like, have you always been that way? Or was there a moment where you're like, okay, I got to kind of tighten up and really start buying into this? Yeah. So, uh, in the beginning of my career, um, I never did gear workouts or anything like that other than just what the mandatory training was. Mm -hmm. And I've, I mean, I've always been pretty physically, uh, active my whole life. I wrestled in high school and, you know, I right just lifted weights and stuff. So that was pretty much all I did. I thought, I thought initially to be good at the job, you had to be strong. And I'm not a very big guy, you know. I'm, I'm average. I'm five eight, and I'm like 180 pounds now. I used to be like 130, 140 when I first got on the job. Oh wow. Um. Yeah, I was pretty skinny. So that was all I ever did, man. It's just like the bro workouts, you know. I was, you know, eat big to get big, lift heavy. And then uh, my one buddy, Phil, he's like my best friend now. He was always doing the gear workouts and stuff. And he's just like a beast when it comes to <laughs> air consumption and all that. Yeah. So we went to this class. We kind of, we got in last minute. It was, it's called Truck Ops. Okay. And uh, Valencia College, which is one of the fire colleges, they put it on here. It's, it's not a mandatory class, but a lot of the departments around here, if you want to be on a truck company, you have to go through that class. Mm -hmm. And so it's basically just 40 hours at truck ops. And uh, like you know, it, oh, it was, it was a great time, but it was kind of a, it, that was kind of my first little gut check. Okay. Of like, oh, I need to get in gear more because um, strength doesn't really matter, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we would do an air consumption drill every day uh, in the class. And then you were, there was skill stations and scenarios and, when you would do uh, search and rescue, it was your own classmates. And I had some big dudes in Orlando, you know, that, that were about <laughs> your side. And I'm dragging them around and lifting them out of a window. And, uh, yeah, so, like, I mean, the way I see it now, at the end of the day, this is just a physical, dirty, blue-collar job. Absolutely. There's no, there's no getting around it. You have to, one, be physically fit, but that's not enough either. I mean, you got to get in your gear and get acclimated to the heat. Yeah. And then, so I took that class, you know, I got by, I was, I wouldn't say I was fine. I was not a, I wouldn't say I was like top of the class, but I, you know, middle of the pack. Right. And then, uh, I was introduced to another friend of mine now, uh, his name's Matt McGee. He's a Florida right. smoke diver. And, uh, cause he, he, uh, my driver at the time was his brother-in-law 
and he kind of he told him I was interested in the smoke diver program, so he came out. And I actually I met him at his station, and we did a workout. And this workout was probably one of the worst workouts at that time <laughs> that I had ever done in my life. And it was, it wasn't even in full gear. It was just coat and pants. And it was like five rounds, but you would start out each round with a hundred tire hits and they had to be like real hits. If I hit it too soft, it'd be like, nah, that's, that's a no rep. Yeah. No love taps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was like a hundred tire hits. Uh, I think you had to run like a quarter of a mile. Uh, 10 burpees, some flutter kicks, and some other stuff. I mean, it took probably well over an hour. Mm-hmm. But uh, halfway through, I had to take my coat off because I just couldn't take the heat anymore. Right. So that, that was like my real like gut check. And this dude, Matt, he's a beast, man. And, and there's no excuse for me because he's like, he's 40 right now. So I've been following Matt, so I'm familiar with what you're talking about. Those that don't, but that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's a huge. Uh, he's been a huge mentor to me uh, these past few years, and it's really kind of changed my outlook on how to train for the job and all that. Because he, you know, I asked him, "How do you, you know, how do you do this on duty or whatever? Aren't you worried about catching a call?" And he just straight up told me, "He's like, if you're not conditioned to." be able to recover after a workout and run a call, then you're not conditioned for the job. Man, that is a gut check. You're right. And that, cause like I said, this workout that pretty much put me into the ground, he was on shift. We did it with his crew, <laughs> you know, his crew was in like PT clothes and stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that's probably going to kind of lead into this next question here that you have. Oh yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's a good segue because uh, training gear. There's, it's almost like a big topic of debate, and people like us, we, and now we don't really see it as a debate anymore. More or less like a requirement, but training gear on a regular basis. You know, why is that crucial? And how would you encourage those that are maybe against it or aren't doing it to go ahead and start getting into it, and why it's crucial the way it is? Yeah, the way I see it, it's crucial because it's 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 our job. You know, we don't fight fire mm-hmm. in uh, PT clothes. Yeah, and uh, you know, you could be a CrossFit champion, you can deadlift seven hundred pounds, but the way I see it is, being in your gear is the almighty equalizer. It's a it's a totally different environment because of what happened. You know, you're wearing your gear, your heat gets trapped. Your body has no way of releasing that heat. Mm-hmm. And so physiologically, your heart rate's going to be elevated. You're going to be sweating more. Uh, I know I posted in the group the other day, uh, just a little, I wear a heart rate monitor whenever I work out in gear. And, yeah, I'm going to uh, have to look into one of those, man. I'm seeing y'all wear that. It's, and I'm it's, just, it's just interesting to see where you're at because I can pretty much tell what my heart rate is now without ever having to look at my watch or anything. So like, oh, cool. You know, if, if I'm in my gear and I, you know, I hit about the 45 minute to an hour mark, I'll, I'll feel my heart rate start to climb. Mm-hmm. And when I hear that, when I feel that heartbeat in my ears. Yes. I know what you're I talking know, about. I know that's like when I'm red, I'm pretty much redlining. I'm like 180, 190. You know what I mean? So it's just good yeah. to know how you react to being in your gear. And there's actually science that backs this whole like heat acclimatization thing. Uh, I was listening really? to a podcast the other day. It was, uh, it's the Bear Performance Podcast. Okay. And, and the guy, he owns a supplement company, but he was interviewing a doctor 
who's like a cardiovascular doctor and he kind of debunked some myths about sodium mm-hmm. and he pretty much said that sodium is actually really good for you especially for performance yeah and then he was also saying that basically if you want to get acclimated to the heat if you go into the sauna for like 30 minutes to an hour every day you'll be heat acclimated in two weeks Mm-hmm. And he said, if you don't have time for that, he said four times a week for three weeks, we'll pretty much do the same thing. And uh, what I thought was the most interesting is he said that studies have shown, like, once you stop that protocol, yeah, they were, they still kept the benefits for like two weeks. Oh, wow. So as, long, actually as, prolonged. as long as they kept working out and stuff. Wow. No, that's cool. Uh, I didn't know that. But going yeah. to your stadium point, I had a brother at a neighboring department when we were doing it like a just a multi-group training for a fool's class a little locally he uh sprinkled some himalayan salt into his water like man is that not going to dehydrate you he said dude try it it's going to make and it does in the summertime i live by that thing it i don't know what it is but it take it lessens up the cramps and it just i don't know I, I felt better than beforehand after i've actually started to implement that so it's crazy with the sodium what you're saying yeah, and I'm a I'm a cramper, dude. Like when oh, I went yeah. through when I went through Florida Smoke Diver the first time, I didn't have my nutrition dialed in. Mm-hmm. And by the second day, we were doing this bear crawl workout, and my whole body pretty much like cramped up. And I was mm-hmm. able to push through, but I didn't make it through the day just because of that. And then he was saying in in this podcast, I guess there's some there's some sort of monitors you can buy that will measure how much sodium you lose. I mean, I'm not that into it. Right. But the one dude was saying, like, in one workout, he lost over 2,500 milligrams of sodium. That just sounds like a lot. Yeah, I mean, it is a lot. So, like, uh, I take uh, I take this element supplement. I'm okay. sure you've heard of it. That, that has 1,000 milligrams of sodium in it. I mean, that's a pretty good amount. Oh, definitely. So, yeah, if you're, that's the thing. Is if you're training in gear, salt is your friend. And then back to the being acclimated to the heat. Yeah. What this doctor was saying physiologically what happens is your body adapts and what ends up happening is you'll start sweating sooner to keep your body cool and then also when you sweat you won't excrete as much sodium oh so so it retains it more right yeah you think about it the body the body is designed to adapt right right you 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 look at when we were hunters and gatherers Mm-hmm. They, they'd be able to go a couple days without food because their body adapted and their metabolism slowed down to the point where, you know, they could get by on maybe eating once a day or once every two or three days. Right. Right. Makes sense. Yes. So it's kind of the same thing with getting in your gear. I mean, I remember the, like I said, that first workout, I lasted like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Now I, I've done workouts where I was in my gear without taking it off for two hours. Yes. It, I agree. I, I look back when I first started this whole journey, it really wasn't that long ago, maybe just not even a few months ago, but I really started to take this seriously with the in-gear workouts. And then I started seeing, you know, a bunch of other people online doing it. I'm like, okay, well, it's not just a me thing. Let's, let's look more into this. But man, I don't think I lasted maybe 20, 30 minutes on just a, a basic hit circuit functional workout, you know, with tire strikes, you know, farmer's carriage, stuff like that. And I was just whooped but now that's almost like a warm-up just the, as much as you continue to get acclimated to it and i've seen the big improvement on fire grounds and even on extrication calls where you're not necessarily on an scba but it's extended and you're you know dealing with the weight of the tools for a prolonged time in the dead of heat 
you know, you feel the difference that it actually pays off. You're hurting oh, yourself not doing it. A hundred percent. You'll, you know, you'll hear people say, Oh, I'm, I'm saving myself for the big one or, you know, oh, I, I don't want, I don't work out on shift and whatever their excuse is. But mm-hmm. what happens when you catch a fire first thing in the morning and you're coming back from the station and then you catch another fire or you catch a pin job? Yep. I mean, what's the difference? And now your body is not adapted to that being able to already be maybe a little bit tired and then go and now you got to do even more work. Yep. And going back to like what my buddy Matt McGee said, you know, you, it, it comes down to conditioning. It's not going to happen overnight. But mm-hmm. even if you just start out in coat and pants and you do 15 minutes, you know, every shift, you can slowly start to work up. Yes, you can. And then this, for the second part of your question about how to get others engaged, in, yes. especially in gear. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty simple, but, it, you know, you know how it is, man. Simple is not always easy. Right. And you just got to lead by example. So, you know, I've been on different crews. I've been moving around. I've been promoted. And uh, so this this crew I'm on now, because I, I got promoted to driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was pretty, I was getting ready for smoke diver. So I was pretty into the gear workouts and, you know, I would show up before shift, get one in and then anything on shift I'd get done would be like extra credit type deal. But for a little while I had some of the guys showing up in the morning before shift with me to work out. Oh, nice. And, uh, my, my one buddy, Isaiah, he, he never wanted to show up in the morning, which is fine, you know, but, uh, he kind of started talking a little bit of crap. You know, calling me, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not the most lean. So he's calling me a belly boy. And uh, I'm like, all right, dude, let's, uh, you know what? I'll tell you what, dude, I'll do it. I do a, a workout like you. And then if, if I beat you or come close, you got to join me for a workout. And he's like 140 pounds. He's pretty yeah. shredded. You know, he's ripped up. He's got a six pack. And uh, so I'm like, all right, dude, let's go up on the pull up bar and see if you can do, you know, more reps. So, I got, I think I got like 24 or 25 pull-ups and I think he got like 26 or 27, but it kind of shut him up. Cause I'm like, dude, I got 40 pounds on you and you only got <laughs> one or two reps ahead of me. So I'm like, let's, let's go do a gear workout now. So we did a gear workout. There's full gear on air. We're dragging a tire around doing some different, uh, circuits. Mm-hmm. And as, uh, I could tell he was getting tired and his vibe alert started going off. And we did mm-hmm. a little bit more work, you know, and then he ended up ripping his mask off. And that's, that's a good thing though. Cause you, you get, I love getting to that point and mastering that. Right. Well, if you're wanting to rip, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I, I let him cool down for a few minutes, you know, I gave him some space and I went up to him. I'm like, dude, you can't be doing that. You know, I said, what if we're at the seat of the fire or making a push or something and you get, you know, a little claustrophobic, you can't be ripping your stuff off because you rip your mask off. That's your lifeline. And he agreed. Yeah. He, he kind of, I think that was his little gut check. You know, we all, we all need a gut check from time to time. And then from that point on, dude, no lie, every shift he was asking me, like, Hey man, we're getting in gear, right? We're getting in gear. I mean, that's awesome. we'd be busy. We'd eat dinner. We'd be out there dragging the tire after dinner, you know, all as a crew. And then he's actually, um, He's he got kind of shipped out to a different station for a temporary assignment just because the way our staffing mm-hmm. was they needed a medic out there, right? And he's been in his gear out there, and it's kind of like you you uh, when you develop this culture on your crew, you know you're never gonna have the same crew forever, 
True. So Very what true. you do is you build that culture and then they become like your little messengers. So when they go out, they start spreading it. And that's what he's doing now. He's trying, he's been trying, he's, he's been getting his gear. Nobody's joined him yet, but he's out there. And that's goes back to leading by the example. Absolutely. Get on him. Eventually somebody will join. And then it's like a domino effect. Once another, once one person joins next thing, you know, you know, everybody's like, Oh, I'll give it a go. Or you make it like a competition. Right. No, that's good on him for doing that and realizing that was a weakness and to tighten up on that and look at him now. It's enjoyable. And that's where I was. And, you know, I made a, a joke on uh, that group, too, that, you know, we got a new swing guy at our station. And after the introduction, he was like, man, you know, I, I heard you kill people with your PT, but I kind of like that. I kind of want it. And I was like, well, I don't kill people, man. I might push myself to the limits because it's usually me out there and that's fine. But when the more the merrier man come on we'll crawl walk run you're not going to hold me down i'm happy to still be getting it and it's almost like a reoccurring thing that i'm seeing at least on my end it's almost like an intimidation factor that i feel like maybe should not be there you shouldn't be scared to try that and even if it is low rep low set and like you said, just the whole crawl crawl walk run method and i just i don't understand it i guess right and like i said even if it even if you just say hey you know what man I'm going to do this. This is the level I'm at. You scale mm -hmm. it down to what you can do. And, you know, like if we're in gear, for instance, I'll say start out in PT clothes. And then the next shift or a couple of shifts later, I'll be like, at least throw your coat on, you know, and you start yeah. working up. <clears throat> no, I think that's great advice because it's, it's a world of difference, even your mobility and everything. When you have just your pant and coats on, and we should all know this, but it's going back to, the physical application of the job that some get and some don't want to talk about. So I think those are great points you made, Logan. And uh, man, when we were talking earlier before this recording, I was, you know, asking some, some different things that you're really passionate about, you know, obviously besides, you know, staying fit for the job and you threw out at me, the firefighter survival and mental resiliency aspect of it. And I saw it wasn't too long ago. Um, I forgot the, conference class-based thing that you did with a uh, brother Duffy and you were doing the, the training hands-on class stuff, but you, you spoke on that too. So I would like to just talk about that. You know, what, what made you become so passionate about that and how can we as a body embrace this and bring it back to our departments? So uh, I kind of, so that conference where we're at, it was the Orlando fire conference and Duffy who kind of entered, it was his, uh, he got invited to teach SCBA confidence. Mm -hmm. uh, but to me, SCBA confidence is kind of part of survival. You know, that's your lifeline when you're mm -hmm. in an IDLH environment and it's a man-made thing. So, you know, it's going to fail. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you look at RIT statistics, uh, do you, do you follow project made it at all? I do. I've seen what they post out and I've seen what brother yeah. Robert said too about it all. Yeah. So they just came out with kind of, the more updated statistics. But if you look at the statistics, the RIT team that is saving down firefighters, they're only saving like seven or 8% of the maydays. Mm -hmm. The other half, or it's like pretty much it's close to 50% is either, uh, well, it's like 48% I think is self rescue. And then right under that was crews that are already interior. Right. And so, that's been that kind of side note debate of, well, what's the point of a RID if the first due interiority is making it? And I know that's a whole other topic, but I, I definitely hear what you're saying. 
Yeah, I won't get into that rabbit hole. I mean, I I do believe in Rick. I do, <laughs> I do I, too. You know, I've taken Basil's class like three times, you know, and um, but my thing is I don't want to put all my eggs in that basket because if you if you look at the statistics, I mean they're not getting deployed right away. It takes some right. time for them to even, you know, depending on staffing, every department's different. Mm-hmm. Some departments, they may not have a RIT team assigned right away. You know, you work right. for a big city, you might have that luxury. And then, you know, you, you look around at your department and it's like, well, I don't want that guy on the RIT team, you know? So then you start to think like, oh shit, who's coming for me? You know, you, you want those hard chargers to come for you, but you know how it is. The chief is not going to put all the, all the studs on one crew. You know, no, you're right. And there's you're always right. that crew. I call it, you know, it's the land of the broken toys. There's always that one <laughs> crew that, you know, it's like, holy shit. So and I'm not talking shit, but, you know, yeah, it, it's the same. yeah. So we all know it. We all see them in our organization. So that, I kind of started teaching that. And um, that's a big part of the curriculum at the smoke diver program. So I've learned a lot from them and kind of mm-hmm. just passed it on. And uh, you'd be amazed, man, like how many people can't even take their pack off and put it back on with their gloves on. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a simple task you're saying, but the dexterity being gone. And yeah. You don't know until you get out there and really find out. And, you know, if that's if it comes down to that one day, I'll be damned if I have to go out because I didn't know how to do that. Right. And, you know, I, I talk a lot about my big pet peeve is I, I tell everybody they need to have at least, you know, two sets of cutters, one high, one low, and just stuff like that, you know. And, and honestly, I, I think it's fun training. It may not always be the most realistic, but you have to be able to be in a stressful environment, but it's also controlled. You know what I mean? Right. Be able to adapt. And it really puts your skills to the test once you're under stress. What are some things that you do uh, to increase that stress level or those to trigger those stressors, so to say? I, the easiest thing I'd say you could do is you do some sort of physical workout and then you do those skills or you add those skills into your workout. So like for instance, okay, um, a lot of times, you know, when I'm trying to think of stations for my circuit and gear, mm-hmm. I'll add in, part of the circuit is I have to take my pack off, crawl under the engine with my pack off and then put it back on and you can't take your gloves off or anything like that. Right. That's cool. That's a good point. And then another one um, I'm a big proponent of is wheel breathing. At least doing that once or twice a year to see how long you can last on that bottle when your vibe alert's going off. You said wheel breathing? Yeah. So basically what you're, what you do, um, I don't know what you guys use over there, but the main air packs here are Scott and MSA. We have Scott's. Okay. Yeah. So do we. So what ends up happening without getting all like deep into it, when you, mm-hmm. when your vibe alert goes off on the Scott's it's using air. Mm-hmm. So basically when you're, when you're on air and you're, and you're working, it's a set amount of liters per minute that you're that you're consuming well when the vibe alert goes off it almost doubles okay if that makes sense so what your what yeah, the survival technique is what if you're like pinned or you know you're you're in an area of refuge like maybe you just breached a wall and you're waiting for the rip team to come get you 
mm-hmm. you basically shut your bottle all the way off and you get into, um, I call it the survival position, but it's basically okay. a fetal position on your left side. So you can reach the wheel with your right hand mm-hmm. and you can control the pass with your left hand. And so you'll shut that bottle all the way off, take a breath and then use some sort of breathing technique. So whether it's like the Riley breathing technique where you breathe in and you hum out or you yes. do box breathing, which box breathing is you, you breathe in for three to five seconds, hold it for three to five, exhale for three to five, and then hold for three to five and start that cycle over. Mm-hmm. So what that does is that actually lowers your heart rate. So you won't be breathing as much. Mm-hmm. And then you're also bypassing the vibe alert. So every little bit of air that you're using is not being wasted. And uh, there was actually a video floating around. They showed us this in Smoke Diver. Uh, my buddy Nate Karn, he he put a glove over the regulator of the Scott because that's where mm-hmm. it vibes. And then MSA has like a whistle or something on the on the bottom or the back. Okay. He taped, he taped some uh, EMS gloves to it. And whenever that vibe, when that vibe or that low air alarm would go off, it would inflate the the glove like a balloon. Oh wow! So you could actually literally see um, the air that you are losing. <clears throat> That's pretty neat. I mean, because I'm I'm the hum breather. I'll just simply put it that way. Yeah, I'm the same way. That, it, it it's actually helped me relax quicker, and like you said, really lower my heart rate. And even when I do my on-air circuits, I go until my vibrator kind of like stops. That's usually right around a thousand psi, just shy, and that's where I just kind of walk and I just start doing my hum breathing, and right. I try myself on that, and it's actually increased. But uh, yeah, that's the, the you, first I've heard. Next time you do it, man, try playing around with that wheel breathing. There, what you'll find is there's there's a sweet spot on these bottles. Okay. Where you only need to where you only need to open it like a half a turn. And you'll sip some air out, and then you're able to shut it. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to train with that because this is the first I'm hearing about it. Uh, just haven't really been exposed to it or, I guess, shown it by yeah, anyone it, in the area. That was kind of – it was mind-blowing to me, too, is a lot – we were teaching this at uh, that that conference as part of the SCBA confidence class, and mm-hmm. almost nobody really had heard of that, which I just – I assumed it was common knowledge, but that kind of goes right. back to – why it's important to go outside of your department and, and get some training in. Oh, absolutely. And the more, you know, in our line of work, and I know you can testify to this, man, there's, there's so many changing variables constantly at us. I would rather have a, a big toolbox base of knowledge that I can pull out during specific scenarios and be like, okay, well, this is probably a good time to start implementing this. I might've learned it two years ago, but I still remember it. You know, let's, let's do this. And yeah. sometimes you just aren't going to get that inside your, you know, 10 mile radius as a lot of people like to call it. Right. And then for the second part of your question, talking about kind of mental resiliency. Yeah. Um, you know, we just gotta, we gotta try to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And like my buddy, Matt McGee used to tell me, he'd be like, when you hit the wall in training, find the door and kick that fucker in. So yeah. we need to constantly be training to the point where we want to quit. And then go a little bit longer. Yes. It's kind of like what uh you know, I'm a big fan of David Goggins. I love his book, Can't Hurt Me. You and I both. I listen to that audio quite a bit when I'm out there doing uh, things. You know, he talks about the 40% rule. And the way yeah. he describes the 40% rule is that basically when you think that you're at your limit, you're actually at only like 40% of your true potential. And I'm a big believer in that. 
And there was actually a experiment done back in the 1950s. Uh, mm-hmm. If anybody wants to look it up, it's called the Hope Experiment. And the Hope. Okay. Yeah, the Hope Experiment. I heard this from uh, Corley Moore. He uh, gave a lecture up in the Panhandle of Florida, and he kind of mm-hmm. ended with this. But so basically, there was a brutal study at Harvard in the 1950s. This uh, scientist, he placed rats in a pool of water to test how long they could tread water. Yes. And on average, they give up after like 15 minutes and drown. And then he, you know, once they all drowned, he, he took another group of rats. And just before they would give up, he would uh, pluck them out, dry them off, give them some food, let them rest for a few minutes. And then he put them back in for a second round. Mm-hmm. And how long do you think they lasted? Uh, I believe it was longer. I, I heard it too at Live Oak when he was speaking on it. I just couldn't remember the exact, but it was exponentially yeah. longer. So it was like 60 hours. Yeah, which was so, mind blowing on its own. So I kind of think about that, you know. They gave up after 15 minutes. They were given a little bit of hope, and you know maybe they 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 can they're capable of doing it. And then look, they lasted 60 hours. I mean that's that's pretty exponential. Yes, it is. And to your point, you can start simulating that. And what I've done kind of minute without knowing I was doing it is when I tell myself, okay, this is my workout. And even when it's the on gear, you know, I'll do my big four, but as soon as I'm done with that, I'll, I'll psych myself. And cause it wasn't part of my mental plan and okay, I'm, I'm on my home stretch. I just got this last set. I'll switch gears and I'll just, you know, tire flip for so many times or I'll, I'll push past that. So I'm trying to mentally psych myself out in the fact that okay well you thought you were done but you're truly not because now you have to do this much more and this much more and i've done that to some of the guys that's on my crew or swung on our crew at the same time and they i've told them the routine we're about to do and it was definitely a reasonable routine and then at the end it's like all right well we're not done yet this is what we're about to do now and instead of it being 10 push-ups we're going to do 20 push-ups but we're going to slow hold them and you can just see that, oh, my gosh, I didn't expect that, but they'll still do it. And then they're usually pretty grateful after the fact because it helped kind of break that barrier. Yeah, for sure, man. No, definitely. That's cool, though. I, I do encourage y'all listening to check out that Hope Myth like he was just talking about. because it's Yeah, it's called, really the, it's called the Hope Experiment. If you do a quick Google search, there's like five websites that pop up talking about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, – and we kind of touched on this next question a little bit, but uh, the whole mastering the basics under stress, you know, and why is it so important? And you touched on that a little bit, but and also kind of what steps we can do at the firehouse to become more proficient with that. So why do you think it's important to add stressors to your your training or your repetitions, or just stretching lines, so to say, than just going out there fresh bodied and all right, let's just go pull some hose and get some reps in. Well, I'm a big believer in the crawl, walk, run uh, methodology. Mm -hmm. So the way I see it is we should be drilling the basics until they become advanced because the basics are what work. So Mm -hmm. like, for example, you should be able to mask up in 30 seconds or less without even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, we know we have to put our, I don't know how it is in Texas, but we don't mask up on the way to the call. So yeah. that we do it's just it's one thing that we do some still probably don't but our training yeah. chief is really it's just one thing that works for us where we're at right yeah and there's nothing in, uh wrong with that it's, like i said we kind of 
different methodologies. Right. But just stuff like that. I mean, because what happens when you show up to a fire and there's a mom standing outside in the front yard screaming that her kid's trapped? Yep. You know, and uh, I've actually had it happen. Not that situation, but um, I've been on some fire alarms. that ended up being like working fires. Yes. And, you know, we'll force the door. I'm like, oh, shit, there's fire in here. So we'll close it. And I told my same buddy, Isaiah, he was with me. He was backwards. I said, I didn't remember masking up, dude. I was like, I masked, I masked up. And the next thing I know I'm in and I didn't even realize that I masked up. I just, you know, did it without thinking. And it's just stuff like that. I mean, you can spend like 15 minutes to an hour at the station working on something every day. Yeah. And I highly, I'm still an advocate of still being very proficient at everything, even to that extent. Like you said, even the masking up for those departments that come off the rig fully masked up where I got his clicking, that's fine. But still be just as proficient with quick mask up times. Like you said, there might be that fire alarm call or there might be nothing or you take your mask off for whatever reason. And all of a sudden it, it's shitting and getting its go time. And you have to get that joker back on pretty quick. You want to save time. So I right. agree with you. And a, and a lot of people will get this kind of twisted. You know, they think that being faster means like moving like a spaz and, and, you know, not really having any like calculated movements. You're just moving super fast to the point where you're actually not efficient at all. And yes. I was always taught that like efficiency is what makes us faster, not actually moving faster. Yep. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I've even been told a couple of times that I was kind of almost reckless because I was moving with a sense of purpose, but I was moving urgently as well. And it's like, man, you know, pull the reins back a little bit. You're, you're acting a little reckless. And I was like, well, in my defense, I knew the task that I had to do and I knew how to do it. I'm just moving quicker to get there done because it has to get done. It's time sensitive. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we don't move with a purpose, you know, especially right. on a critical call, but I'm talking more that if you can eliminate steps in any of your processes of a skill, you're I got ultimately you. yeah. gonna get faster. Right. Yeah. So oh, like yeah. going back to the mask up thing, um, I, every morning when I check my air pack out, I, um, you know, I, I put my mask on, I turn the bottle on, I shut it off, I activate the pass. And then mm -hmm. instead of just bleeding the purge down, I breathe it all down through my mask. Oh, nice. Nice touch. And then what I do then is I keep my three top straps tight mm -hmm. and then I only loosen the bottom ones. So right there, that saves me a step. All I have to do when I mask up is pull my two straps on the bottom and then I'm already putting my hood on. Mm -hmm. Just something like that. You know what I mean? It, it's the same thing for raising a ladder, pulling a line. I mean, if you can find, if you can eliminate any steps, you're going to be more efficient and save time. I agree 100%. And just kind of another thing that just caught, came to my head on the whole quick masking up, especially those that come off the rig masked up. Yeah, I've, I've stepped up to this driver position for a period of time while my current driver stepped up to lieutenant. Kind of same thing with you. We're going through some staffing deals, and we got another district that we're having to house right now with our fourth guys. And um, as a driver, I can't be driving to the scene uh, fire with my mask on. You know what I mean? Right. So in three minutes out, I can't just go ahead and mask up either. So right. it's that's a good – Good point in case right there, especially if it's applicable to me or anyone similar to what our department does, is I might have to get a couple things, but I could immediately get called off of my 
establishing a water supply or what have you and immediately go into rescue mode. And if I haven't truly prepared masking up, you know, with gloves on in an efficient manner, I'm wasting time for my boys, you know? And so that's, that's a good right. point. I like, I like that. Or even you're driving and your process for getting the truck and pump and what have you, you know, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're, if you, you know, going back to like how they said you're moving reckless. So you show up on scene and you're moving faster than you have trained. Mm-hmm. You're more likely to make a mistake. So like That's I said, it, it goes back to, I'm, I'm a firm believer that we should be running on the fire ground, but also yeah. there's, there's a time and a place. So obviously yeah. if there's entrapment, you know, we're going to be running, but you can't, you can't expect to the, you can't expect to rise to the level of your expectations because mm-hmm. you're just going to fall back to the level of your training. So if you half asset during training, when you're doing your 360, you're slowly walking around counting the daisies, right? You're, you're not going to be able to all of a sudden do that 40 yard fucking sprint that a NFL football player does. You know what I mean? Yes. And <laughs> if you don't practice it too, like even just a, a jog lap around the your station with the 24 on your shoulder right. if you never even experienced that when it's go time you're gonna have a lot against you to make that a successful outcome right and as far as like bringing training back to the department and all that um mm-hmm. you know i used to be pretty abrasive earlier in my career you know i get all pissed off and basically tell people they were slugs and what have you but you can't control what goes on in your department. The only thing that you have control over, and I tell this to my crew all the time now, is our crew. Yes. You know, it comes down to the atomic level. I can't control what the other station across the city does on a daily basis. Right. And, and I really don't have the time and energy to worry about it. If they if they ride the recliner all day, then so be it. It'll show it'll show at training and on the scenes, but you know you hate it just, for them, but you can't make them either. Right. So, and, you know, I used to get pretty frustrated and all that. And now I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to try to be one of the best firemen I can be and try to make those immediately around me better. And like I said, what ends up happening is they become like your messengers and whenever they get, they ever get promoted or, you know, whatever happens, sometimes staffing gets switched up. You just hope that they get, when they go to a new crew, they, uh, they bring that culture there. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be like a marathon training session either. Like I said, it could be 15, 30 minutes. You pull out the rip bag and you make connections with your gloves on. Yeah. You know? No, I think that's a valid point, man. And I think that's a good compliment to have too is, hey, man, when I was over here at this house and, you know, Logan was over here with his crew and they they helped show this to me and I'd like to bring this back. Like I said, being that minister, I think it's a really – honorable compliments to receive, man, that you, you care that much to make sure that the positivity is, is spread in that kind of manner. Because to your point, I used to be, I'm kind of not near as abrasive now as I am. I'm still, you know, relatively new in the service, but there's a lot of things as my eyes get opened up on just a lot of different in-house fire department deals. Like if you know, you know, kind of things. Right. And it's like, well, how, how is everyone okay with this? And then you kind of get a little loud and bang your drum on it. And then, you know, there might be some that are like, you know, hey, I haven't really put that much thought into it, but he's he's broadcasting it quite a bit. All right, that's a good point. And then there's some that are like, oh, God, here's this guy again. You know, and I've, I've heard it, but I'm I'm starting to relax from the point that you're making of 
control you and your own surroundings. You know, as much as it might piss you off that someone that's wearing the same patch of organization you are is, is not doing it the way that you may like it. You can't really control it. You can only hope that they have that click moment in a non-emergent time and kind of correct it on their own, but you can't really force them. Yeah. And it even goes to like station life, you know? Yeah. There's always that disgruntled person that's just negative all the time. And I'm pretty lucky. I'm on a crew where we're all, we're all around the same age. So we, we kind of drive together like that. And also everybody's pretty positive for the most part that they're bought into the culture. Yeah. But I'll, I'll say like, you know what guys, all right, it's, you know, our shift starts at seven 30. If I'm Ryan up as LT, if you got anything to bitch about, you got until seven 45 to get it out of your system. <laughs> and then after that, I don't want to hear any more bitching because like bitching doesn't really solve anything. Or I, I, uh, we created a station assignment board recently because okay. I was trying to kind of help, um, boost some morale. So like writing assignments and stuff like that. And there's a quote of the day. And yeah. I saw this quote, I thought, I thought it was kind of funny and it was more or less like, so if you're, if you're bitching together, it's bonding. If you're bitching on your own, you're just a bitch. I like that. I'm going to have to remember that <laughs> one right there. Yeah. That, that's cool. It's, that's a good one. Yeah. Cause you know, we're, we all, we all go through ruts in this job, you know, depending on the, the calls that we run or maybe admin doesn't always see what we see. So it feels like there's a little bit of a disconnect, but. Right. Like I said, I've just kind of learned to control what goes on in my own house because I have to live there every third day. I don't have to live at that other station down the road. I don't have to live in admin, right. you know? And at the end of the day, I remind people, nobody's holding a gun to your head. If you're that no. disgruntled and that miserable coming to work, then go do something else. Yeah. You know, you can, make right, a, you can make a hell of a lot more money and sleep in your own bed every night doing a plethora of other things. Oh yeah, we have a we have a running joke. We're in our area because we have this pretty infamous big truck stop gas station named Bucky's. And, oh uh, yeah, I love Bucky's. We have a yeah, man, they're, dude. They're they're starting off their cashiers at like fifteen an hour. You know, forty right. hour week with benefits. And so <laughs> the the running joke around us is if you don't like it, go to Bucky's. You know, yeah, if you're that's, if you're that miserable, go to Bucky's. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get paid to say that. It was just it is what it is. It was funny. It was what, <laughs> but yeah. That's no, yeah. I mean, it's true though, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we jumped along. That was an awesome rabbit trail. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about your, your involvement in Flames, if you got time for that, and just what you thought of the program, yeah. how it made you a better person. And I actually knew two brothers that uh, went through that with you. You know, Caleb Smith, he was one of my last guests. And then Ian Schulte, I got to talk to him not too long ago either. And we stay in touch. And they just – Everyone's got different perspectives and that and smoke dyers is definitely on my bucket list, but I'm spending this year to get truly prepared for that for personal reasons. And, um, I got to yeah, get over my, wrong with that. That, that right, right now is my hindrance man. So I'm doing everything I can assistedly free weighted to beef that up. But, uh, what, what was it like in planes for you, man? And do you believe it made you a better person? And if so, how? Yeah, so when I when I went through Flames, um, I kind of signed up for it, not really knowing what it was. There were some like YouTube videos online, but didn't really uh, didn't really have any idea what I was kind of getting into. But luckily, that year 
I was training for the Florida Smoke Diver program, so I was pretty prepared okay. in that aspect physically. Uh, but it was it was an experience, man. It it's probably one of the best programs that I've ever completed. Uh, awesome. It's very well organized. They're monitoring you twenty four seven, and it's the ultimate um, show of servant leadership that I've been part of. So basically. The way the program works is, you know, you apply, if you get picked, you get to go through the program. And if you make it through the program, you're asked to come back and help and kind of like pay it forward. So that if, if you apply, the program doesn't cost you anything, but once you graduate, I think the dues are like $25 a year. Okay. Um, And then, you know, they come back and it was a little different than smoke diver because in smoke diver, at least in my experience in Florida, as far as like food and hydration and stuff, you're kind of on your own. Okay. You know, they, they'd give you time to eat and drink and stuff, but the main difference in flames was all these, all the cadre members would come and like, Hey man, eat this Snickers. Let me fill up your water bottle. And it was, cool. was kind of different, but I, I really liked it. And mm-hmm. then uh, chief Baxter, he's the one who started the program. And that guy, I mean, he, you can tell he's just a fireman's chief. Awesome. Um, I, I've only met him the one time, obviously when I went up there and, yeah. uh, you could just tell man, he, he loves the job. He loves the guys and he's very passionate. Uh, sadly he's, he's, uh, going through some cancer stuff right now. Uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of why the program hasn't been, uh, going on. So the, when I went through, it was like two years ago, I was the last class to go through before all the COVID okay. stuff got like crazy. Yeah. I didn't know they were on a hiatus. Yeah, they, they they kept trying to put some classes on, and then Georgia was being all weird about the COVID stuff, and uh, you know, and Chief Baxter I think was going through some treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he did say one thing that kind of always stuck with me, and yeah. uh, you know, they it was the last it was the last day, and they wanted us to take like a written test or whatever, and one of the questions was, "What's the most?" Uh, important uh skill that a firefighter should have and you know everybody says different things you right. know force force indoors stretch your lines whatever and he just straight up said uh you know the ability to think and use your mind on your own yeah that's and that that's a good of, point that, that was kind of a deep question with me. yeah yeah you know and kind of goes to just being able to our job, we are supposed to bring peace to the chaos and we're supposed to adapt to any situation that's thrown at us. So when the freaked out people call us and we're freaking out too, that's not going to jive well. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so yeah, the flames program, it's, it's 48 hours, uh, nonstop. It's actually probably a little more than 48 hours, but a lot of people think the same way as smoke diver. They think that you're just going to get beat up and put into the ground and it's not like that at all i mean yeah there's going to be some pt mm-hmm. but there's a lot of skill stations and a lot of good uh skills that you go through and the scenarios were top-notch i mean the buildings that they had to train in were probably some of the best tra- buildings i've ever been in i mean they were able to turn a search building into a maze wow and just stuff like that yeah well, so everything that you would want as a 
is an adamant person that loves the job. I would hundred percent. And then it, it gives you access to one like-minded people and yes. some of the best people I've had the privilege of meeting. Um, you know, like uh, Don Sapp, Jason Painter, all those guys are kind of higher up in the cadre. Mm-hmm. You know, they Don Sapp still reaches out to me every once in a while, and I've only gone through the program like one time. That's awesome. That's a great yeah, testimony so, of their characters, man. Right. So, and it's kind of like you know, you're you're always going to be bonded to those people because suffering creates bonding. Absolutely. And even on a crew level, you know, this, it's cool how all these points are still kind of correlating back into, you know, just our, our topics that we were discussing even earlier on, man, it's, there's so much benefit to just crew cohesion, you know, don't, don't not buy into that. I I strongly encourage that. 100%. But man, you got any goals you're kind of currently working on? Yeah, I mean, it's I've kind of always got something I'm working to. Right, so. I, I do too. I, I care <laughs> what other people are working on too. So right now, uh, one of my goals I set for myself for the year is I'm trying to do one Murph workout a week. And I've been uh, seeing that, man. That's got to be fatiguing. Yeah, it, yeah. So last week I actually ended up hurting my back doing some squats. So I was mm-hmm. out a week, so I wasn't able to do it then, obviously. But I'm I'm back on the log. I'm getting back after it. Uh, just maybe I realize I gotta do some more rehab work and and mobility work. That's kind of just going a little too hard, and my body finally said uh, that's enough. Yeah, but I'm I'm pretty much back to ninety percent now. I was able to squat yesterday. Awesome. And then uh, I actually I signed up for a fifty k trail run at the end of May. We'll get you some of that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that'll be that'll be interesting because I've never run more than ten miles at one time yeah so but you know every once in a while you got to do some stuff that gets you out of your comfort zone and you may or may not finish you know right but you got to find out i agree you got to see what you made of man right and then i'm testing for uh i'll be testing for company officer in the fall so probably the next few weeks or so i'm gonna start grinding that out start studying for that and then as far as like a long-term goal, pretty much I still got Florida and Georgia Smoke Diver on the list. Uh, I've been through Florida's program three times and have come up short pretty much the last two times. I made it to like the last day. Mm-hmm. And then Georgia Smoke Diver, I went through like four years ago. Didn't know what I was getting into. So I would like to go back and redeem myself uh, there as well. Absolutely. So have you taken – uh different approaches or adjustments on what kind of stopped you or enabled not enabled you to complete the, the program if that makes sense yeah so for georgia like i said i just totally wasn't prepared physically mm-hmm. and then uh as far as florida goes uh i mean every year i go back i get better and i kind of make it further but uh the last two times pretty much just came down to some critical mistakes I made. Okay. And, and uh, the way I kind of understood it, so Florida, when you do a terminal scenario, mm-hmm. it's it's one and done. You get one shot. Okay. So if you fuck up, you know, pack your bags, see you next year. Whereas I'm not sure how true this is, but I heard Georgia, you get a few attempts. Okay. So 
Uh, so it, it's pretty much up the up to their discretion whether it be the state that's hosting it. It's kind of what it sounds like, maybe. Well, so yeah, so a little bit of history. Um, the original program was Florida. Okay. And then a couple of Georgia guys um, took the Florida program, wanted to bring it back to Georgia. They brought it back to Georgia, kind of made it their own. Um, Florida's got shut down for like, I think, 10 years. Uh, wow. due to, I, think uh, I heard about that. Yeah, they had a fatality. Yeah. And so they were able to bring it back. But the Florida and Georgia programs are not related anymore. Okay. If that makes sense. No, it does. So, like, you yeah. know, Georgia has Indiana and Oklahoma. They're all kind of mm -hmm. like sister programs because they branched out from Georgia. Mm -hmm. Florida is completely different. It's all deal. Yep. So is there any like brother sister kind of relationship with the flames in the Georgia, Indiana, and Florida divers or Oklahoma divers? Or is that a whole new thing on its own too? Uh well, a lot of the Flames cadre are also Georgia smoke divers because so where Flames is hosted, it's in a town called Chatsworth in North, in North Georgia. Okay. And then Dalton is literally the next town over, which is where Georgia Smoke Diver is hosted. Okay. If that makes sense. So it's, yeah, it does. I knew, it's predominantly I knew Georgia before. guys. And then typically they go and do both. Because, I mean, if you live around the area, I mean, they're right next to each other. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So there's actually a few guys in my Flames class that just went through the last – uh, Georgia Smoke Diver program. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely, like I said, I mean, that's, I'm seeing it become more and more of a goal that people are wanting to accomplish. And I think that's outstanding. I don't think that takes away any credibility from who they are because why would you not want to see what you're made of kind of deal? Oh, 100%. And why would you not want to do anything that's going to at least better yourself? Even if you don't complete it, obviously, yes, everyone would want to complete it, but even just to experience it. And then for those that got that taste of it and then continue to come back for the completion, I, I just think that's an awesome testimony of everyone that's participating in that. And that's definitely, like I said, something I really want to experience. And yeah, I don't and know. I, I just got to find better pull-up workouts. I, <laughs> I just say that because, man, I don't want to overdo it, but I'm trying to, let's be real man 250 pounds pull up palm out 10 times is a chore for me right now you know i'm good to get yeah. four maybe five it'll come with time though man if you keep losing weight at the rate you were losing it you'll be you'll be good in no time dude and then uh just kind of going back to like you know wanting to keep going and getting the program done uh, i've learned to kind of just love the journey man and not yeah. really worry so much about the destination because I've met some incredible firemen uh, along this journey. And I mean, I have dudes from all over, at least all over Florida, also in other states that I keep in contact with and they keep me accountable and motivated. You know what I mean? You got to have that tribe set up to, to, to bounce off of. I mean, you really do. It's not really cliche. It's like, there's so much truth behind that. So uh, for those of you that may not feel like you have a quote unquote tribe, Go find like-minded people, man. And but make sure the mindset's a proper mindset. That that could be a double-edged sword at the <laughs> same time. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, man, uh, you got any advice that you would have for the the rookies, whether they're thirty-three or nineteen? You know, what what advice you got for them, bud? Yeah, the first thing I'd say is, um, you know, that I would tell them is your ego is not your amigo. I like that. Yeah. So basically, you know. You're a rookie. You got to play the game a little bit, do your time. 
Um, and then the next thing I would say is don't be afraid to fail. Yes. Because with failure comes growth and you got to ask questions. You, we, you know, the way I see it, when you come to me as a rookie or a probie, you may or may not have life experience, but most likely you don't really know much about the job. So you have a clean slate with me. Very and, true. You know, they're, they're, this is kind of advice for the, um, going on the other side of the spectrum as far as like the senior man or the mentor. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, don't, like don't be a, du- don't be a douchebag, you know, like, don't forget where you came from. You were a new guy once too, or a new girl. Yeah. And, uh, you know, somebody hopefully mentored them and kind of showed them the way, but uh, I'm not a big proponent of like hazing or anything like that. Right. I mean, I'm all for, you know, busting some chops and stuff like that, but we're not, we're not in a frat house, you know, they're whoever comes on, I consider them an adult, you know, they should be treated like an adult. Now when they mess up, especially, you know, if they mess up and it's something you've gone over with them already multiple times and yeah. And ass chewing is probably needed, but well, they're warranted. You know, don't get me wrong. I don't yeah. think anyone should be excluded from it. It does build character. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit that. But yeah, like just going back to it, it's don't be uh don't be afraid to fail or make mistakes because that's how you're gonna learn and ask questions. Yep. The only but dumb question. Go ahead. I was gonna say, like, don't say you know, you know, when somebody's telling you something. That used to be my biggest pet peeve, like just just listen for a few minutes you know even if it is something you heard before yes at least that's the pro b no i agree you know i was just gonna say the only dumb question is the one that wasn't asked you know, I yeah i heard that 100%. i can't remember where to give credit to but that, that resonates so well and then uh going back to i always recommend they get training outside the department mm-hmm. and we're we're lucky dude so my department will send us anywhere in the state that gives you a, a certificate which is almost okay. all these conferences and classes and stuff. Right. And they'll pay for it up front. Awesome. And if it's like out of town mm-hmm. and if it's more than like two or three days, they'll get a, ho- they'll buy the hotel and give you a meal stipend. So, I mean, there's really no excuse not to get some education in my department. At least the only thing you got to worry about is using your own time to take off. But it's usually not too hard. We get a pretty good amount of time off and you can do shift trades. Yeah, you can make a way and get on your organization, man, for wanting yeah. to invest in their, their operations like that. That's awesome. Yeah, we're, we're lucky, man. So our, our chief, he, um, he came up through the ranks. He started out as a firefighter and rose all the way up to the chief chief. So, nice. and I think that does make a big difference because the guy we had before him um, kind of wasn't liked as much, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. There's outside, so yeah, oh, yeah. And then, as far as training outside the department, another another thing I tell these rookies is go find a fool's chapter, man. It's like, yes, I'm part of the I'm part of the Marion County Fools, they're about an hour north of me, Mm -hmm. and I think I pay like 25 bucks a year. And then I, I help them teach too, but I have access to all these free trainings or cheap trainings, you know, through them. Yeah, a little disclosure for those that are interested and maybe may not know or new members. A lot of these hot classes and instructors are Fools members as well. And when you're a card-carrying Fools, most of them will give you a little bit of a love for being a Fool yourself, and they'll kind of give you a discounted rate on top of what's, you know, advertised. Yeah, the so, way we do it around here, because there's multiple Fools chapters that are pretty close. 
Mm -hmm. So basically, as long as you're a fool's member, you get the fool's rate. Right. Yeah, no, that's a good point because we're we're one of two in the East Texas, and outside of that, uh, you have the Dallas Fort Worth area that's got about three, and then you go about four hours south, and you start getting to the Houston, San Antonio, and the coastal areas. So we're we're kind of spaced out, but you know it it still works. And I'd love to, I'd love to see a big Texas Fools convention, but that's a little side note. There's a lot of good brothers all over the state, man, and all over the nation, really. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I appreciate you coming on. I got a, one last question. I, I love hearing the answers to this. I've been actually having a lot of great feedback on this question, too, that they look forward to the guest answers. Um, you know, our platform is infamous for, you know, tagging, setting the standard. It's something we personally believe in ourselves. But um, what does that mean to you, Logan? What does setting the standard mean to you? Uh, the standard that I hold myself to is being the fireman. I want showing up to my own home and saving my own family. Hmm. So pretty much if you, you know, I use that as my compass, everything kind of resorts back to that. How, who would I want showing up to my house, save my own family? Yes. And yes. with that comes, you know, training, mental toughness, um, pretty much just being better than you were the day before and continuing to climb that mountain of growth. Oh, absolutely, man. It's always you versus you. Right, 100%. Yeah, don't compare yourself to other people. You don't know what they're going through or what they have or don't have. You can only compare yourself to yourself. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that, man. This, this has been a very enjoyable conversation, though. You know, I'm really glad that you decided to come on and take the opportunity just to share life and talk shop, man. It's, yeah, man. I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, I appreciate uh, being on here, dude. Does anyone you give a shout out or a praise or recognition to or anything? Like I said, man, this is your episode. You know, have at it if you want it. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely give some praise to my wife. Uh, she's a saint, man. She puts up with all my crazy goals and ambitions. Hmm. And a lot of times, you know, I, I spend a lot of time not at home or i mean i'm pretty lucky I, I built a garage gym so at least when i'm working out all the time i'm still home but not really you know what i mean yeah, yeah. i'm sure you you're can here, that. I know you got you got a bunch of kids and a wife oh, yeah. and it's it's hard to balance man i'm, I'm not going to preach about balance because i'm definitely not the best at it i'm i'm still working on it as much as i can too i, I couldn't agree more man i know that's awesome and firewise and they're they're a rare breed of their own, and I don't think they get enough recognition, you know, because it, it does take a strong woman to put up with a, a go-getter like us, man. It really yeah. does. Yeah, I mean, it's bad enough we're gone every third day, you know, and then mm -hmm. on top of all the extra extra stuff, so. 100%, man. Well, brother, like I said, I just – I thank you so much for coming on, and uh, keep, keep killing it. I love following your journey. I love seeing what you're doing, and – uh I want to thank you obviously too for you know, inspiring me to stay at it. Cause there's, there's times where I'm feeling lazy or my body just said, this is it. And then, you know, I see you or I'll see Shannon or Rossi and they're just out there killing it. Like, all right, I got to do it. My boys are out there getting in. I gotta, I gotta do something. I don't care if it's just a ruck around the neighborhood. So uh, I appreciate you if the accountability that you continue to set out by just showing your, your activeness. Yeah. I want to thank you for that. Thank you, brother. And I, I can't take all the credit. I have a bunch of brothers that 
you know, hold me accountable as well. I mean, I get text messages weekly and daily of what they're doing or they're asking me like, Hey man, what'd you do today? Or can you give me a workout? So, I mean, there's really no other way to set the standard than to just try to live up to it. You know what I mean? Oh, you have to be right. If you're not walking what you're talking, it's all pointless, you know, and it's easily seen through for sure. So, but yeah, man, I appreciated it. Yeah. Anytime. And guys, thank you for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And, uh, Logan, do you have any, if anyone wants to follow what you're saying or you found on anything besides uh, Facebook or Instagram or anything like that? Yeah, I predominantly use uh, Facebook. So my name's Logan Broberg. And then um, my Instagram handle, I think, I don't remember what it is anymore. Hold on. It's Logan Bro with three O's. Right on. Well, there you go, guys. Follow or whatever. Absolutely. This man's always posting awesome workout routines. Uh, another great brother to you know help accountability and spread positivity. Uh, feel free to follow him. Just no creepers allowed. Let's leave those alone. But uh, man, thank you again for your time, brother. I won't take up any more of it. I hope you have a, a great rest of your day and great rest of your week, man. You too, bro. All right. See you, bud.